Blog Talk Radio. on the NHL playoffs, and uh, I am super bummed about the Blackhawks going out of the playoffs. And heck, I never expected to be there anyway until the COVID-19 reboot, so I still enjoyed it, and they were close games. But you guys are looking pretty solid. Tell me about those Bruins. You thinking uh, you thinking they got, a, got what it takes to make it to the end? It'll be tough uh, with, uh, with Super Rap uh, leaving uh, the bubble uh, last week. So, you know, they got through Carolina, yep. which is great. Um, you know, they certainly have the skill up front. I mean, Tampa Bay is a, uh, uh, a, a tough uh, matchup for them. And, you know, Tampa really has the smell of one of those teams where uh, they're absolutely loaded with talent. They've kind of uh, underperformed the last two years. Not kind of. They have underperformed the last two years in the postseason. Um, having, yep. uh, have not won a couple of all that talent. And, you know, the, the, the what is the, the saying there? The, the cows coming over the roost? I don't know. Whatever. It's, uh, they're gonna have to, you know, they're getting to a point where they're going to have to, uh, to pay these guys, um, which means inevitably they won't be able to keep them all together. So they're kind of hitting that, uh, that, that line in the sand of either if they're going to, if this group is going to win a cup, um, it's, it's really yep. this year, maybe next year, or it's not going to happen. So, um, Tampa expelled the demons of that horrible four, four game skid lost to Columbus last year. Uh, that's most likely who the Bruins will play unless the Washington Capitals, who are losing right now, the Islanders, come back and win that series. Uh, but they're down 3-1 in that series. Um, so, long way of saying, you know, if, if the Bruins get through Tampa, then, then I'd really like them. But I think this is going to be the toughest series that they face until the Cup. Yep, yep. And, I mean, you must be excited because NHL's done it right. Not any uh, postponements. Uh, everything's running smoothly. No real issues. NBA also actually apparently running it relatively right. MLB baseball in stark contrast. Lots of postponements. I don't know how they're going to finish the season uh, in the next month and a half. It almost seems impossible to me. But, hey, I'm enjoying what the NHL is doing. They're doing it the best so far as far as I've seen it. So, good job, NHL. I'm hoping the NFL follows along. And that brings us to the topics for today. We have plenty to talk about as we talk about our picks for the teams most likely to underperform in 2020, as well as fantasy football targets for those teams. So let's get it rolling. All right, Ryan, we're going to talk about the teams that we think are going to underperform and disappoint in 2020, even with all that hype surrounding them in the offseason. Uh, and we have some good ones because we uh, talked pre-show about it, and I am excited to talk about these guys. So we're going to go one at a time. So let me ask you to give you your your first team that you want to talk about that you think will underperform in 2020, and then talk a little bit about fantasy football targets on those teams. Yeah, so the first one I'll, I'll touch on, uh, I'll go uh, with probably the most marquee out of the three uh, that I listed, um, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, yep. Love it. I have them on there. Because uh, you know they they um, 
Um, <laughs> you know, first and foremost, I mean, we're already seeing uh, uh, just the freak injury of McCoy. Um, and, you know, the Cowboys just consistently aren't a good football team. And, um, you know, I yeah, I do like the idea that Dak Prescott is in a, uh, a contract season. Um, I think that'll help. But um, at the end of the day, this is a franchise that is built like a Super Bowl roster. Um, so, yep. you know, and I think that's an important distinction in this because you always, this, this argument always gets so mixed up in sports and it drives me crazy. Um, yeah. Saying somebody is going to underperform or calling somebody overrated is not the same as saying they're bad and they suck. Those are two different things. That's right. This means Absolutely true. what is the potential expectation and where do you see them? Um, the Cowboys roster under a different uh, system, uh, and, and by system, that's a nice way of saying Jerry Jones, um, would be a perennial <laughs> Super Bowl yeah. contender. Uh, unfortunately, the yeah. Cowboys can never get out of their own way. Uh, so I'm just going to bank on that again. You know, again, I, my, my expectation and ceiling of that roster is they could be a Super Bowl contender. Um, I think that they'll fall short of that, whether that's division rounds. You know, if they get to the NFC Championship, then call this prediction wrong. Um, once you're in the final yeah. four of any sport, even if you don't make it, uh, I, I can't objectively call that a failure. Um, I also think Mike McCarthy, right. um, a little bit of an overrated coach, and I think that that – you know, that's missing the point here where we think that just swapping out the coaches is a fix. The issue, yep. again, has and always will be Jerry Jones uh, with his fingerprint too involved in, in, the, uh, in the organization there. So as long as that remains the, uh, the setup, um, I think they'll continue to underperform. So um, I, I, I do think um, from an offensive standpoint, um, that we're going to see a big jump. Um, I do think the offense is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year. Obviously, the big reason why being CeeDee Lamb, uh, being added into the mix yep. of already a pretty talented group. Um, on the defensive side, you know, uh, Byron Jones' departure is going to hurt. Um, and, and now, you know, you, you, got a, you got several question marks on the defensive line. And by question marks, I just mean, like, not total prayers, but just, you know, you have, you have a mix of talent there that's really banking a lot on, on depth and rotation um, with some of the new guys they brought in. Um, and now you've already had one go down, and, and this is the COVID season, so there's going to be a lot of guys go down. So um, Most not definitely. into the season with them there. We all know how much yep. I love uh, Jalen Smith and uh, uh, Leighton Van Der Esch. I love that linebacking core. Oh, yeah. Um, and no the doubt. defensive front is obviously a force to reckon with, but um, if they start to lose some of that depth there and then – the secondary, we'll see how it actually looks when they all put it together this season. Um, so, uh, as far as fantasy targets, quickly, I'm not going to talk about Ezekiel Elliott because is Ezekiel Elliott is going to be uh, <laughs> right. you you know, draft at, at worst a low end. <laughs> at worst, he's a low RB one. Um, you know, provided yep. there's no big injury uh, or time missed. I do think Dak Prescott is just outside that top tier quarterback class for fantasy. I'd put him a high upper right. uh, tier two for me personally. Okay. And again, I can't bank on this enough uh, with the, you know, the fact that he's basically in a contract year again. Um, that's always a great motivating factor uh, and, and great to bank on whether you're betting um, or playing fantasy sports. Um, right. So the, the one interesting thing will be to see, and I think it was Number Fire had an article on this that I was reading last night that was really, really uh, well, well done. Although JJ Zacharyson does everything great, um, but it was, uh, you know, the case for Amari Cooper um, regressing again. 
does not mean that Amari Cooper is not a, a you know a, a, at worst a low end wide receiver too. This does not mean he's a complete bust. But this means it, can we depend on Amari Cooper to be what he's done the last two seasons fantasy wise? Um, yep. So there are 160 targets up for grabs, and that's just me going looking at the top uh, five, six, seven guys, and then go through all the low end guys who are gone now. But um, there are 160 targets with the the departure of Randall Cobb and the departure of um, Jason Witten. Now, yep. that means that whether it's Blake Jarwin or somebody else at tight end, like those targets are going to go, uh, the, the good portion of those or a chunk of those are going to go to the, the, the tight end fill-in. They're not going to neglect the tight end position. So it's not true 160 targets available. Um, you add in C.D. Lamb in the draft, as I mentioned before, who is a rookie that I absolutely love and he's going to be great in that offense. I um, totally agree. And I honestly think that the, a good portion of the remaining targets that are left over, I think we're more likely to see a, an increase in Michael Gallup's workload. Um, Interesting. Or at least an even split. So I, I think when you really, without sitting here and doing projections live on air, when you really boil it down to the 160, I think it's fair to say that maybe 20, 25 of those go to Amari Cooper. And so right. you know, I don't think we're banking on some big, huge, you know, there's not going to be some big, huge workload increase. And, again, that's maybe. You know, I, I think it's honestly closer to probably he's pretty even target-wise to what he was last year, which I believe is like 115, somewhere in that range. Um, so there's right. not a huge jump there in workload for him. And then uh, there was a – I forget what stat they used and all these advanced metrics out there. get hard to keep track of sometimes, but it was like yeah. based on his performance and based on, on his stat line, the projected uh, or what the actual touchdown uh, projected rate based on historical data would have been, would have been five for him last year. And he had eight, Mm -hmm. which means workload doesn't extra increase. We can't expect eight touchdowns again, because in a typical year, he would have only scored five. So he had, he had an over uh, an overachieving touchdown efficiency rate last year, um, which you just don't bank on that two years in a row. So if he slides back three touchdowns, his targets remain the same. Um, and, and the ball gets spread around a little bit more, and, you know, there, there's, a, there's a reasonable uh, expectation that he can progress. So I'm big on Gallup. Yep. I'm big on C.D. Lamb. Obviously, Zeke. I'm obviously big on Prescott, and, I, and I'm a little bit down on Amari. Again, I'm still taking him beginning around three kind of deal, uh, fantasy-wise. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you know, maybe I'd prefer fourth round, but, I, I, you know, I can start to consider him in the beginning of round three, depending on the draft shaping up. But, but he's not a top-two-round guy for me right at this moment. Yeah, no, those are great. Those are great, great picks there. And of course, I love the the fact that you covered Dallas Cowboys as one of the teams that are going to underperform because I, I believe the same thing. But uh, I'm going to move on to my first pick, and I'm going to spend a little more time on this one because I almost feel like I have to defend myself because the hype is so high. But I'm picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, the Buccaneers are looking to break a streak of 12 straight seasons without a playoff berth and 20 seasons without winning their division. In the offseason, everyone knows they signed Tom Brady. They enticed Rob Gronkowski to come out of retirement. They drafted a top-end offensive tackle in Tristan Wirfs in the first round. They still have standout wideouts, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Uh, expectations for the Bucks are sky high. And if you ask me, they're a better team on paper today than they were at the end of the 2019 campaign. Absolutely, that's the truth. But despite all that, the Buccaneers are now transitioning at quarterback, tight end, right tackle, and safety, all obviously incredibly important positions. And in the shortened preseason of limited practices, I think that's a major concern. Plus, Tom Brady is 43 years old. Gronk hasn't suited up in over a year. I mean, who knows what you're going to get out of that. And by the way, have you seen Rob Gronkowski's new game show, Game On? Have you seen that, Ryan? Sorry, I'm going to take that no, silence as a, 
Okay, I was going to say, I was going to take that silence as a no, and uh, you're not missing anything. He's still a big dude. It's actually mildly entertaining, but uh, I, I'm, I don't go out of your way to watch it, anybody. He's still a big dude, but he looks nothing like he did when he was playing football. Uh, I'm sure the reason why the Patriots have been successful all these years, in addition to all of this, is that it's part Tom Brady, part Bill Belichick. But this is the first time we're going to see Brady on his own. There are tons of question marks here. I don't hate Bruce Arians, but he's not Bill Belichick. And it's not just about the Buccaneers, in my opinion. The NFC South features some tough competition in the New Orleans Saints. And laugh if you want, but the Atlanta Falcons as well, who've also added big names in Dante Fowler Jr., Todd Gurley, and Hayden Hurst during the offseason. So, you know, finally, with all this, Tampa Bay actually allowed the third most passing yards in 2019. And they did very little to address their defense in the offseason, aside from picking Antoine Winfield Jr. in the second round of the draft, which I love. But that leaves the Buccaneers one of the most vulnerable secondaries in the NFL. Um, Wolverine Studios, an independent modeling site, actually ran 100 simulations with the entire new roster for Tampa Bay, and they said, on average, the Bucks come out at 9-7. and seven. So that might be reasonable. But I doubt 9-7 and seven is what the Tampa Bay fans are expecting from Brady and everybody in town. And I really doubt that 9-7 and seven is going to be good enough to get them to the Super Bowl. Um, and with regard to fantasy, so that's why I'm, I'm kind of down on them. Again, like you said, the caveat you gave at the beginning is absolutely true. I don't think they're going to suck. I just don't think they're going to be as good as everyone thinks they're going to be. They're going to underperform compared to expectation. With regard to fantasy, though, I am still on board with targeting Tom Brady. Um, at his ADP is 82. I like him more on pick 100, so uh, maybe outside the top 12 uh, quarterbacks, just, just outside that. I still like Mike Evans, obviously, his ADP 25.3. That sounds fine to me. Chris Godwin, ADP 18.7 sounds fine to me. I actually like Ronald Jones a little bit. His ADP is 79.3. I like him around 75 or higher. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm staying away from Gronk, though. Uh, ADP 81.9. Ninth tight end off the board. Too many question marks for me. We don't know what we're going to get from him. So those are my picks for fantasy targets out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let me flip it over back to you, Ryan, and let's point you a fire away for your second team that you uh, think are going to underperform in 2020. Yeah, so first of all, just uh, before I move on quickly, I love, 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 love that pick. Um, because, <laughs> I mean, the, the thing is, I mean, especially, you know, anything in, fo- in football, um, the football I think more so in other sports. Like other sports you can build superstar teams, and it typically works out. Yep. I mean, the, you know, people want to throw the 2013 Denver Broncos at you anytime you have this argument now. Like they are the, the anomaly. They're not the rule. They are right. the exception. You know, right. you have the, 20, the 2011 Philadelphia Eagles, the dream team, as it were. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. a, a more recent example is the Bucks are getting the same height the Cleveland Browns were last year. How did that work? Yes. How did that work that out? That did not work well. You have, no. I'm not a Bruce Arians fan. I'm well on record in this. In, in, in this uh, you are. Um, you are. <laughs> podcast about it. He's a. I mean, yep. he's just a, from an X's and O's thing. He's a blitz every down, throw the ball deep. He's a, you know what he is? He's a 10-year-old playing Madden. That's what he is. He throws <laughs> the ball deep on every single pass pattern, and he blitzes he's me every, playing single, Madden. every single play. Are you kidding play. me? <laughs> so it's just like it's just, it's just an absolute over-aggressive crapshoot that has always ended up flaming out eventually. Um, you know, yep. the 2013 Broncos, John Fox had been in Denver for a couple of years. He'd established success. That team was on the come. They just needed a quarterback. Remember, Tim Tebow yeah. got into the playoffs just two years before that. Like, that was a team that yep. was one piece away. That's not the Buccaneers. Rob Gronkowski was bad two years ago until the Super Bowl, which is the only thing everyone wants to remember. He was bad that season. Go look at his PFF grade. Yeah. It was like he went from like a 90 player every year down to like a low 70s out of nowhere. Um, and then he took a yep. year off and lost all the way, like you said. 
Uh, Brady is yep. 43. He's in a new system. And so, anyways, that's a, that's a wonderful pick. Again, I agree with you. I have him around like 10 and 6. I think they make the playoffs as a wild card team. Uh, maybe they sneak mm-hmm. off one win in there, but they're not going on a run to the title like everyone's bookmarking. It's just not happening. They're not. They're yep. not good enough. And and there's too much. Totally agree. Too many question marks there. Consistency matters yep. the most. Um, they got to so sell plenty of mind, jerseys. That's it. <laughs> that's right. They will. They will sell plenty of jerseys this year. Um, so uh, my second team, and I had an order I wanted to do this in. So uh, forgive me as I stall as I scroll through here to remind you. I told my three teams. The Broncos. There it is. Uh, yes, Denver Broncos. There it is. Um, <laughs> sometimes when you know when you're live on air, uh, you know you just got to uh, just to drag it out as you try to as you try to come up with the yeah. answers you're looking for. So, you got uh, to mix it up a little, you know. That's right. So um, here's another team where I love a lot of what they have going on, but again, there's there's some question marks that we have to examine here. Um, yeah, I, I do. I do like what the Broncos are doing, and um, I, I think they're still like a year or two away, though, from really being uh, a, a you know what's the term uh, a, a real a real contender, like a real contender from, from yeah. a playoff standpoint. Yeah. So obviously, yep. um, on the defensive end, you have Vaughn Miller, uh, you have Nick Chubb, um, then you know now Jarrell Casey added in there, so I, I love. I love that uh, that that area of it, um, and and I love the the addition of um, AJ Bouye on the defense. Um, so I, I think on the defensive side of the ball, they're not uh, top ten defense, but they they can be middle of the pack. That they can be a representable defense out there this year. I think, especially if they can get a really aggressive pass rush, um, which which helps out the back end of that defense on the offense. If you go back to our live uh, our live draft coverage that night, uh, me, you know, my the entire storyline for me was the fact that Jerry Judy was falling as far as he did, and then they go and get him, yeah. which was great. One of my sneaky top end guys that I wanted, or not top end, but one of the, the sneaky wide receivers I was very excited about coming out of this draft was KJ Hamler, and he falls all the way mm-hmm. to them, and I, I think they got they got him in the third round. Like KJ Hamler to me. You know, provided he can uh, keep off-field stuff uh, a little bit more consistent, could be um, could be a, a Percy Harvin 2.0. Um, we'll uh-huh. see if he has that much athleticism out there. But I think KJ Amler at, at his ceiling is what you saw, you know, in that Super Bowl against the Broncos in 2013 um, with with Percy Harvin just making that huge impact for Seattle. I think he's a guy who can do it all. Um, you can you can again hand the ball off, you know, uh, line him up uh, across the field, and then just use his speed. He was electric to watch at Penn State. He's a just a really really fun uh, prospect. So you had those two guys um, with Cortland Sutton, who I, you know, I, I've been a fan of uh, Noah Fant, who I was big on in last year's draft. Um, so I think that all looks good. I, the Mer- the Melvin Gordon thing, uh, you know, uh, sound the alarms here. Ryan's not that concerned about who the hell the running back is it just doesn't matter <laughs> right the broncos that's the right broncos prove that they're gonna say all the time you know it, they spent all this draft capital on royce freeman three years ago or was it three years ago now jesus um two years ago three years ago whatever it was time flies um but you know spent <laughs> all that you know to take him up up higher and it's freaking philip Lindsay, who no one had on their radar that comes on and performs because the running back position is a crapshoot um so whoever it is melvin gordon Philip Lindsay getting more carries. Maybe Royce Freeman all of a sudden in year three figures it out. It's happened before. 
Um, that doesn't matter. The player that I think that this all rides on, I'm not a big Nick Fangio fan, sorry to tell you. Um, but yeah, I'm not. yeah no, um, I understand. I understand. You know, I just I, – I, personally, I, I like – I like head coaches that come from the offensive side of the ball better. I just the defensive head coaches just don't do it for me. And that's I, I completely agree. With you. Watched, yep. And that's what he's watched Bill Belichick for the last twenty years. So what do I know? But um, <laughs> but it's Drew Locke. You know, Drew Locke had a nice end to last year, um, but he was a project type prospect. You know, it was not it was not a guaranteed hit at, at the quarterback position uh, two years ago. Um, yep. And. You know, he had a nice, a nice, nice stretch down, down last year and stuff. But I think there's still a lot to to learn about Drew Locke before we 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 say that the Broncos have arrived. And I've used this yep, term before. Couldn't agree more. Through, like I said last week on our podcast, or maybe two weeks ago, however long you were on the podcast, that uh, that the Bills had become Josh Allen proof because of the talent they put around him. I think the Broncos yeah, are on right. the path. But I don't think that they're quite there, in my opinion, that they're that they're that they're Drew Lock proof. Now, I right. think Drew Lock could be a better quarterback and should be a better quarterback than Josh Allen, um, not from a running standpoint, but from throwing the ball. Um, so, anyways, we'll see. That's the big question mark, right? It's Drew Lock. So, um, yep. I, I would be wary of Noah Fant this year from fantasy, uh, just because there's more mouths to feed in here now. Um, so yeah, that's something that I'm concerned about. It's just that I, Noah Fant. And even Cortland Sutton, those two guys might have really, when you look at it, benefited from not a lot of weapons the last two years. And I like Cortland Sutton. So yeah. I like both their games. Um, but yeah. you know, they we've yet to see if they can if they can uh, be top end fantasy performers um, or even mid tier when there's competition around them. So we'll see what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I want all the shares of Jerry Judy. I know rookie receivers are up and down. I know that's not a position that typically hits. Um, any dynasty yeah. league I'm in, I want Gary Jude to share. I just think he's one of the best pure route runners I've seen um, come out of come out of college in in, in a long time. And his footwork is phenomenal. His, his the way he dips his shoulders and shakes guys off. It's just it's just poetry in motion. Um, yeah. So I, I'm super excited about Jerry Judy, and I think he could be one of those guys that actually does come in um, in his rookie season and put up and put up big numbers. So I'll take all the Jerry Judy shares I can get. Um, I think the rest of them, there's all a lot of question marks that you might want to just, especially in redraft, maybe stay away from Denver uh, until yeah. uh, until you see how it shakes out and then try to target some guys next year. Yeah, and I, and I love and Jerry Judy for sure. In um, If you're in a best ball league, oh, man, I, I love shares of Jerry Judy there because he's clearly he's lightning in the bottle right there. And I totally agree with you. Drew Locke, lots of question marks there. I mean, let's not anoint him yet. He doesn't have that much of a track record. Only seven touchdowns, three interceptions, QBR rating of 48.2 last year. So let's not anoint him the second coming yet. All right, let me get to my second uh, team here. That's the Tennessee Titans. That's right, a team that made it to that Final Four. We all know they have a solid rely- – we, we all know, let me just touch the pace here, that having a solid, reliable quarterback is the most important indicator of success for a football team, in my opinion. But it doesn't have to be flashy. You just have to have consistency. And I just don't think Ryan Tannehill is that guy. Uh, he definitely played at a very high level during the regular season from week seven on as Marcus Mariota's replacement. He led the NFL during that time frame of 117.5 quarterback passer rating. Uh, he had completion percentage above 70. He, um, but even with all that, he only threw for 22 touchdowns during that time, and he was behind an offensive line that allowed 56 sacks. And that offensive line did not change. And, uh, you know, so Tannehill's been playing – Keep in mind, he's been playing in the NFL for eight years now. We've never seen anything like this. And now I'm sure he's better than he was. 
but we saw him essentially go into a shell in the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised to see more of that. Now, Derrick Henry was clearly playing at a superstar level last year, 1,540 yards, but that's some heavy usage to come off of. And he'll be missing star offensive tackle Jack Conklin, who's left to join the Cleveland Browns. So two reasons why I think that Tannehill is going to maybe crater a little bit, maybe go back a little bit closer to where he was before, is he really did hit everything right for those couple games. And even then, he was just, he was okay. He was, he was a good, solid NFL quarterback. Anything less than that, and he's not okay. And with Derrick Henry, if there's any drop-off in production there, he's not okay. And without Jack Conklin, I think that's not okay. You know, they won a lot of close games last year, and this year other teams are going to be ready for this type of offense that essentially completely revolves around King Henry. So I'd be surprised if they do any better than 8-8 eight and eight this season, even after that Cinderella-like run they had in the 2019 playoffs. Now, with regard to the play, to fantasy, uh, I am still on board with targeting Derrick Henry. Just like you said, with Zeke uh, Elliott, Derrick Henry, uh, a must-draft. I mean, he has such incredible usage. Um, he's going off the board right now as the sixth running back off the board. I think that's probably right. Um, I do still like A.J. Brown, even though I think that um, his uh, it's going to be kind of inconsistent from week to week how much he gets. That's the 23rd wide receiver off the board right now at ADP 42.3. I like him more around pick 53 or so. Uh, being the 24th, 25th wide receiver off the board. Uh, and I'm staying far away from Tannehill, even at the low ADP of 141 as a 16th quarterback off the board. Uh, I just don't have any confidence that I'd want to play him in any particular week. All right, let's kick it back over to you, Ryan. Let's give us uh, your last team. Love that pick, too. Like you said, everything everything yeah, had to fall you. into place wow. perfectly for the Titans this, to go on the This is run. amazing. I can't believe uh, you. you this, is, this is a great – we have such great uh, – we we're really working well together today. This is uh, – I'm going to give ourselves a nice round of applause. <laughs> we're syncing up wow. so well. Amazing. There's, of course, I just – The little up. secret is that <laughs> I've been dealing with, uh, with chronic headaches like all day today. So um, okay. I uh, – <laughs> I uh, fell asleep around like 6.15 because I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore. Um, nice. And then woke up at 8.20 to, to, to message you that we needed to push the podcast back a half hour. So maybe <laughs> the key to my niceness is, uh, is a, a headache-induced nap in the evening um, prior to our hey, podcast. Hey, I'll take it. So I will take that it. I will take um, that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, All right. Team, uh, Houston Texans. Um, yes. Now – this one's a little bit different just because I don't really know what the universal expectations with this team are, uh, given uh, the the fact that they traded away DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and <laughs> to give Billy O'Brien credit, which I don't know if I want to, but I'm about to. Can you? <laughs> it does feel like <laughs> it does feel like they've done a good job in replacing, uh, in, in repl- as good of a job as you can do in in a horses for ponies. Uh, or for uh, ponies for horse swap, right? You got rid of the absolute yeah, stuff, yeah. but now you have, you know, you did get Kenny Stills in here last year. You got Brandon Cooks. Yeah. You have Will Fuller. That's going to give a lot uh-huh. of downfield speed options to them. Um, they did bring in Randall Cobb, so now they have a decent slot option underneath. And I look at it and go, like, I mean, you don't have, like, a true, true number one there, but that's four number twos, you know? Or it, it maybe yep. maybe Cobb at this point in his career and, and Stills to a degree are, are more number threes, but two twos and two threes. I mean, there are a lot of wide receiver uh, cores that are that are way you know way worse off than that. So I look at that and say, oh, that's a pretty that's a pretty decent receiving core, all things considered. Um, yep. And then you know obviously, obviously Deshaun Watson and I'm not a Duke jo- Johnson guy, and, and I said this going into last year. I remember one of my favorite tweets and. 
I honestly think it might have been one of the Deerfield Fantasy guys, so please don't hurt me, boys. But um, <laughs> it, it might not have been. So, so don't put it on them if it wasn't. But somebody okay. in, in that in the, in the spectrum of people that we deal with in the fantasy community tweeted out saying, like, just because Duke Johnson has never carried a, a, a workhorse uh, load before doesn't mean he can't. I'm like, it do, but it doesn't mean that he can. <laughs> like, no, right. The, the opposite is <laughs> it doesn't prove anything, there. guys. <laughs> Right, like so. So all you're saying is that you agree he's a question mark. Thank you. Like, and, right. and, and honestly, if he could carry that that kind of uh, workload, he probably would have been given the opportunity to. Especially considering he was in Cleveland most of his career, who perennially sucks. So, right. But right, right. regardless, bring in David Johnson. You know, I, I was, you know, I think in the, from a fantasy perspective, I'm big on David Johnson right now, just because I think it's important to remember to like not get too stuck in an opinion on one guy and evaluate value, right? So right, right. David Johnson was still being drafted in the, in the first round last year. And I had uh, put out in one of my preseason pieces at PFF about how, like, this guy, except for 2016, has always had an issue. Whether it was right. couldn't get on the field because he couldn't impress, uh, impress Arians quick enough in 2015. And then when he did, he was electric, sure. And 2016, he was great. And in 2017, it was the wrist. And then 2018, I think it was a knee and, like, a hamstring. And it was just like – and yeah. then last and then, and then when he came back, it was like his offensive line wasn't good enough. And then last year, it was like, well, the team's bad. Well, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds looked pretty damn good in that offense last year after, they, after, uh, after David Johnson was down. So it's just yep. – there's always something around David Johnson. I loved him out of college. You can go back to our tape on this show in 2015. It was a big David Johnson guy early in that draft season. Yes, you were. I actually held yep. him in three leagues until he started going off in week 13, or week 12, whenever it was. So, like, I, I, there was no bigger proponent of him. He was ranked too high for a guy with all these question marks. Now, yep. this year, and I don't have his ADP in front of me, but this year he's now being almost a forgotten guy. And so now I'm, I'm all in, especially – because they have a lot of targets to replace there. And what does David Johnson do well? He lines up in the slot and, and, and can go receive. So you can move him all right. over. He's going to be able to run. Um, there, you know, I don't think that Duke Johnson is a guy to worry about taking carries away from him. So I'm very high on him. Deshaun Watson, I don't care who he's throwing the ball to. You stay high on him from a fantasy perspective until he shows you he can't do it. Um, Will Fuller, I'm sure you saw these reports last week, but I, God, did it make me excited. Um, seeing Will Fuller with some added muscle. Maybe this is a man who's figuring out that he can't keep having soft he can't ha- keep having soft tissue injuries every year. Um, he looks right. good. Can't he looks real good, dude. Yeah, yeah, he looks he looks he looks he looks uh, tough right now. It's unbelievable. He looks like a different person. I think it was only like fifteen to twenty pounds, but it's noticeable. So I'm very excited about Will Fuller. That's probably my Notre Dame homerism coming through there. But neither here nor there. I love it. Love uh, it. <laughs> and then Brandon Cooks was injured last year, and yeah. This is a guy you've got to worry about his brain. He's taken way too many headshots. Um, the, the Super Bowl three years ago, uh, the hit he took from uh, Malcolm Jenkins, you know, to to the recurring injuries last year and stuff. But when healthy, he's the most disrespected wide receiver in football. All he does is produce a 1,000-yard season. He went to St. Uh, St. Louis, Jesus, L.A. They said, well, now he's going to share all these targets with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Todd Gurley, and he won't be able to produce. No, he still did. Like, he's just produced everywhere he's gone. I don't know what it is about him that he's now on his fourth team since being drafted, whatever, six six years ago now. He can't stay on a yep. roster. Um, it's absolutely – not that I don't think anything was his fault in, in L.A. I think cap issues with the Jalen Ramsey move last year and stuff like this was just writing on the wall. They had to move on from one. Um, but 
long way of saying, Brandon Cooks, I think, has a big, massive rebound year because I think he's the closest thing to a number one elite receiver they have there. I love Will Fuller as a number yeah. two. I love Cobb as a slot guy. I love uh, Kenny Stills as like a if – if we're talking best ball, go get some Kenny Stills shares because he will have games where he catches two balls for 120 oh, yeah. yards and two touchdowns. It'll happen. Um, so target him there, redraft. And Kenny Stills, you can add, you know, if you're in a, in a deep league where you can start four or five receivers type thing, sure. Um, but Brandon Cooks, I wouldn't pencil him in. Yep. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't use a pen or, or engrave it, but I'll use a nice soft <laughs> right. pencil with a big eracer. Yeah. And I'll pencil him in for, for 90 and 1,000. Gotcha. 90 and 1,000. <laughs> we can erase that if we need to, but I, but I like well, 90 receptions and 1,000 yards this year, uh, you know, four or five touchdowns, somewhere in that range. So I think he can be a high-end wide receiver two fantasy perspective. Um, so I'm a big fan. Of, I'm a big fan of, of a bounce back for Brandon Cooks this year. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that pick as well for definitely for best ball, but it does that pick for fantasy. Uh, all right, we're running real short, so I'm going to be really quick on my last pick here. And I love that pick, by the way, the Houston Texans. They always tend to be some big expectations, but of course, like you said, how how much of an expectation can you have? getting rid of DeAndre Hopkins. But that being said, you still got Deshaun Watson there. You still got a lot of uh, talent there. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. So anyway, the San Francisco 49ers. <laughs> That's right. One of the two teams in the Super Bowl last year. I am saying they are going to disappoint you this year, folks. Let's not pretend the Super Bowl hangover is not a thing. Only eight teams have returned to the Super Bowl the season after losing it. The San Francisco 49ers had an elite defense and mediocre quarterback play last year, which isn't generally a winning combination. Just ask the 2019 Los Angeles Rams. They'll tell you all about it. I think the problem lies in, uh, I hate to say this because I love the guy, but I think the problem lies in Jimmy Garoppolo. He was serviceable but underwhelming during the regular season, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Then he completely disappeared in the playoffs, just two touchdowns, three interceptions. So what did the 49ers do in the offseason to help Garoppolo? Well, they drafted Brandon Nayuk, who I like a lot, but they lost Emmanuel Sanders. Plus, top wide receiver Debo Samuel, still recovering from a foot surgery in June. Maybe he doesn't get there at the beginning of the season. Maybe he doesn't get to the end of the season. Who knows? Jalen Hurd came back from injury, promptly tore his ACL. Now he's out again for the season. And Richie James has a wrist injury. They'll put him on injured reserve, takes him out of at least the first six games. So who's left? Yeah, you still got George Kittle. But are we actually counting on Kendrick Bourne to take the next step at wide receiver? I just don't have a ton of confidence in this offense. You know, the defense will remain solid, but I think there are too many concerns on offense. I think the 49ers are going to disappoint people this year. They're going to underperform. With regard to fantasy, though, I am still on board with targeting George Kittle. Of course, second tight end off the board, ADP 21. I like that. Raheem Mostert, uh, I still like him, and he's ADP at 62, uh, so I don't mind taking him. I think there's a little bit of value there uh, in a very run-heavy offense. Tevin Coleman, ADP 110. Keeping in mind there might be some inconsistency week to week. I love that. That's very, very late. Definitely in best ball. And Brandon Ayuk, I'm a big fan of Brandon Ayuk. ADP 172, basically undrafted as a flyer. You go ahead and take him. Maybe the targets are coming at the beginning of the season when all these guys, all these injuries are out there. Uh, I just think there's a lot of upside there. Maybe some lightning in the bottle for real, real cheap. I'm staying far, far away, though, from my guy, Jimmy G. Love you, but don't love the gameplay. Even at a low ADP of 154.3, 20th quarterback off the board, I still don't want him. Uh, and that's where I stand on the San Francisco 49ers, my last team that I think will underperform. And that gets us to the end. Real quick, last uh, you know, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, any thoughts on the – on the 49ers? Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're an absolute regression candidate that last year, you know, we talked about this, the Titans, uh, stars kind of aligned, um, and, and they went on that run. 
Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that we'll, we will see a, a regression. I do think that Garoppolo now has more question marks than he's ever had over his head, that, that fourth quarter of performance. Right. You know, he, he was good. That throw, that throw to Kittle right before the end of the half was a juke. Um, and yep. so, you know, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but that last 10 minutes was so bad. And quickly before we wrap it up, because it really never even touched on it because I got so caught in the fantasy stuff, the Texans, uh, the AFC South is always a, is a musical chairs. I like Philip Rivers catching lightning in the bottle one year until the Colts actually win that division. I'll give the Texans wow. the, the, lowest, uh, the lowest wild card in the AFC, uh, that new seven seed. Wow. Okay. Cool. All right. <laughs> yeah, so that, that is a, that's a, that's a good good prediction there. And now we get to the end, and a good way to end the show, hitting the air horn on the show. Woo! That was a lot of information, folks. That was a good one. I like that. Uh, I like that topic. That was a lot of fun. And I really uh, enjoyed hearing a lot of the stuff. That I mean, b- right from the beginning, when we were talking pre-show, I was getting excited to hear what you had to say about your three picks. Uh, and I'm sure you had some thoughts on what I was going to say about my three picks as well. And it's always good to talk about because a lot of people talk about all the hype. Let's talk about the fact that some of these that not everybody can win the Super Bowl. Only one team is going to get there uh, and win. So you know uh, there's going to be a bunch, a bunch of uh, collateral damage here. All right, Ryan, give us your uh, social media so people can follow you. Yes, you can follow me at Twitter or on Twitter at Ryan Wickfield. <laughs> don't search at Twitter; it won't come up. Uh, secondly, I plugged this on the show before. I am no longer running uh, the PFF Arizona Cardinals page because um, I switched over to take on a team I just bashed uh, in the Houston Texans. So uh, PFF underscore oh, Texans, oh, nice. if you want to see some good uh, PFF-related Texan content, uh, thought I'd take on a little bit more of a premier uh, team since it opened up. So follow, follow that account for me. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. And you're still handling some DFS uh, advice, uh, right, for, uh, for the baseball season? Yep, uh, with an opportunity to extend into the postseason. I don't know if that'll come into fruition. There's a lot, lot of question marks that we talked about with the with the MLB season <laughs> and, and postpones and stuff. So, but I, I, I will yeah. be putting out Monday and Tuesday columns from now until the end of the regular season, and then hopefully we'll be doing some uh, postseason coverage as well. Awesome, everyone, check that out, and obviously check out all the content uh, regarding the Houston Texans, the team that you don't believe in, but you're going to get plenty of information from Ryan anyway, and he'll shoot you straight. So, hey. Anyway, thanks, everybody, for coming out, spending time with us, wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL weekend, NHL playoffs, and the NBA, and watching postponed games in MLB.